Good morning, everyone. I just, just made it. We're just on time. So there we go. Not too bad. Thank you, everyone, for being here this morning. We're in Revelation chapter 4. Before we get going again, uh, please uh, pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you and praise you for the beautiful snow you're giving us this morning. We thank you for all your blessings and all the wonderful things you do for us every day, Father, that you sustain us and sustain our lives in this world through your will, Father. We praise you and thank you for all those things. We ask that you would lead and guide us in this study, Father. Share with us your wisdom. Teach us what you want us to know, Father, so that we can properly follow the Lord and do your will upon this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Revelation chapter 4 is where we're at, but since Matt was sharing with me this uh, illustrated revelation, I just wanted us to look at a first few images that we kind of, we've kind of moved past, we're kind of beyond. See, will it do this for me? There we go. So, now, these images are an artist's um, illustrations. Uh, this one, of course, is more, we'll say is more realistic or uh, factual in that it's showing the, uh, can I zoom in on this? It's showing the seven congregations here in that part of the world. Uh, I think that now is Turkey. Back then was called, what, Asia Minor? I think that's correct. So, and also shows you, let's zoom in again, and Shirley Kidd had shared something with us like this before, but also shows you where Patmos was, or is, I'm sorry. It's, I think it's still there. <laughs> I don't think it's gone. So anyway, Patmos is here off the coast, and I'm pointing at the screen, but I imagine you can see it, right? It's right there. So that's where Patmos is, that's where John is, and then these are the congregations that the letters were to. And then let me go back to normal size here. And this was a rendering of John being on the island. I'm going to kind of go through these a little quick. Here's John. He's starting to have this vision, right? He's turning to see the vision. And he's having this vision of the Lord. And this shows um, the Lord having the stars in his hand. If I zoom in here, you might be able to see that a little better the stars in his hand, and of course the, the lampstands or the candlesticks, as some people say, some translations say, either way, those are there as well. Now, remember, this is an artist's uh, rendering or interpretation. Your vision could be slightly different when you think of this. That's okay. Uh, this is just to give us kind of a reference for things. Hey, what? Before you jump to the next one. Yes. Uh, Zoom in again, and it's kind of faint, but they're trying to depict the sword coming out of his mouth, too. Ah, they are. Imagery as well. Yes, they are. And I, I saw that when I looked at this originally, and then I forgot. Thank you. So, yeah, you can faintly see the sword coming from his mouth here. And they just tried to show that. It's, it's faint, but it is there. Hopefully, you can see that slightly. Um, it's slightly yellowish there, or goldish, but it's a sword. So that's good. Thank you for that. Um, 
And then if we move forward from there, this is the door in heaven. This is a representation of the door in heaven that John saw, right? Again, like I said, we kind of we're kind of past this, but we're gonna we're gonna get caught up here. And then oh, okay. And then the others, I separated these out for chap by chapter because it helps me. Otherwise, I'll get things all messed up. Let's see. I think I hit the wrong chapter, didn't I? Yep, that's chapter five. I want chapter four. I have to do it with my finger. Not very good. But anyway, here's where we really are in what we're currently talking about in chapter four. This is the representation of the throne. Whoa. Well, that might have been too much. But nonetheless, um, I guess it's okay. If we zoom in a little bit, you can see these are the, the creatures. Um, this is the throne up here with the, uh, the idea of the shades of green, kind of a rainbow prismatic effect around the throne. Um, the, the brightness there, you can't really see a form on the throne, really. But we know when we look at Ezekiel, he's going to mention a, a, a shape of the one that is on the throne. Um, the fires here, uh, down in the front, they represent the, uh, spirit of God or the spirits, the seven spirits of God. Uh, and we'll talk about that, but I just wanted you to see this image as a whole, um, here. Of course, the elders are on the sides. They're showing the elders, like, elders here with the victor's crown, and they display it. They show it as a wreath, which... Back then, if you think of running the race of the Olympics, they had this wreath that was their victor's crown. And you see that on the other side as well. And then the hosts of angels. So, but we'll, uh, and we'll touch on uh, some of these things as we go through today. So, is that, does that look all right like that? Okay, and unfortunately... I only have one screen to work with, so when I flip over to see the questions, you won't be able to see this, but we'll we'll flip back if we need to. Yes? One other detail on this one is on those four creatures, if you zoom in again, it's, it's, it's not obvious when you look at it, but it's trying to depict all those eyes. Yes, it is. It's full of eyes around them within, so they yep. have like eyes all over there. Yeah, it's trying to depict the six wings, three pairs of wings, the eyes, and let's see, and the different faces. And we're going to see a slightly different description of this in Ezekiel, and we'll talk about that. But nonetheless, um, this is the depiction here in Revelation. This is, I think, this is a pretty accurate uh, depiction as far as what we can read and understand, right? And John is describing things. We have to remember, John is describing things as best he can. I mean, he's what he's seeing here, the things he's seeing are probably beyond our understanding to some, to some degree. I mean, we're talking about God and everything there. So, so with that in mind, though, if we look at Revelation chapter 4. It's a short chapter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that again, and we'll pick up with question number 8. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, 
Come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven. Hold on, let me shrink this back down a little bit because he's going to go over some of this. And we'll try to uh, make that somewhat reasonable. All right. Okay, immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne sat in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back, the first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So we had answered, looked at the first seven questions, so we're really down to question eight. Now if we look at, we had looked here in... Uh, Revelations, reading here in chapter 4, the description of the throne, right? So we were kind of a little bit past that, but I want us to look at Ezekiel chapter 1. And if we look at verses 26 through 28, you're going to hear a very similar description. There's more to this, but right here I'm focusing on the throne, which is part of what we had talked about last week. And this is part of Ezekiel's description, again, in Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. And above the firmament, over their heads, was the likeness of a throne, in appearance like a sapphire stone. On the likeness of the throne was a likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. Also, from the appearance of his waist and upward, I saw, as it were, the color of amber, with the appearance of fire all around within it, and from the appearance of his waist and downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around, like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it, 
This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So it's a different description from a different person. The visions may have been somewhat different, but there also are similarities, as we'll see when we look at other, other parts of this. Um, and they're just trying to describe this that's probably very difficult to describe to somebody who doesn't, hasn't seen it. Yes? If we look at, and think about what happened on Mount Sinai back in Exodus 19, and Moses goes up to the mountain, God comes down from the top. Right, Exodus 19, God comes down to Sinai, yeah, and Moses goes up. On the third day, there was thunder and lightning, and a thick cloud was on the mountain, Right, Exodus 19, where Moses goes up on Mount Sinai. What verse was that, 3? No, 16. See, I didn't hear correctly, sorry. Anyway, so yeah, um, that shows God's power there, right? That there was all this thunder and lightning. There was a thick cloud obscuring things, so we don't know exactly what, but, but this scared them. They heard a lot of this sound, and it was awesome and scary, yes? power coupled with his holiness and sense in which he's unapproachable he's just other like with we like even in this picture we see you can't quite see what's in there it's like it's so brilliant we have to stay back right and the description is like the form of a man even in Ezekiel's description but he it's you get the feeling he's not seeing everything clearly either again being obscured by this brightness and this glory and this power yes I Yeah, there was tran the transfiguration, yeah, right. with Jesus. And then, uh, the other one was uh, when Paul was thrown from his horse and the bright light was around. The Lord Jesus talking to him. Oh, right, on Damascus, on the road to Damascus when Paul saw the Lord, or at least saw the brightness, right? And, yeah, so, yeah, there are other other cases of this, of the form of brightness like that. Um and it seems like I had, oh yeah. And if you remember when Moses comes down from the mountain after having been exposed to God, he was up there like 40 days and 40 nights, right? He's shown, he's shown with the glory of the Lord from just being exposed to the Lord that long. And um, he actually used a veil to cover himself because it, it frightened them. It frightened the children of Israel. They were afraid of it. And he would use a veil to cover himself. And I, I didn't really say, or at least I don't remember it saying how long that lasted, but that was for some time he had to do that. So um, so I wanted to mention that and talk about that. And then we're really, I think, unless anyone else has something on that, we're ready to go ahead with question eight. All right. So let me switch over here. Where's my questions? There we go. What proceeds from the throne? Yeah, Matt? Lightning and thunder and either sounds or voices, depending on your translation. So, these weird sounds. 
Right. It's lightning and thunder and voices, and, and I even saw a different order for some reason. And, and the voices could be other sounds. It's the sound like voices, I guess, like many voices or something akin to that. That's mentioned several different times when you read about some of these visions, too. So the voices like, uh, what do they say, like rushing waters or like, I forget, other, other descriptions. Uh, just loud uh, sounds like that. So, then if we look at question nine, what stands before the throne? And this, we can refer to our picture, they mean specifically directly in front of the throne. What's the first thing you see closest to the throne? The seven lamps of fire burning, representing the seven spirits of God. And then we go, well, that sounds weird. But from what I've been able to read and understand, the, the idea of the seven spirits of God refers to the complete works or characteristics of the Holy Spirit. But, but you can see that represented in the artist's rendition here. Um, and we believe that that is a reference back to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, where it talks about, he talks about the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And these representing the entirety of the Holy Spirit, right? So the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of, you know, Yahweh, God, um, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, you know, wisdom being God's wisdom, of course, and understanding, application of, and use of that, that wisdom, of counsel and might being judgment and relating to strength or, or both strength and bravery, and actually putting forth that judgment, using that judgment and that counsel. And then the knowledge and fear of the Lord, knowledge and moral reverence and respect for the Lord. You know, demons have knowledge, but they lack that respect and they lack that application, right? So, so it's just, uh, that was, now if you have other ideas on that, yes. Isaiah 11, verse 2. I'm sorry. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. If anybody had any ideas on that, that was uh, what I had read and looked at. Okay. So then, so that was question 9. So if we look at question 10, now this is saying what lies before the throne. And, and the reason I'm trying to qualify this is because this could get a little confusing. There's several things in the picture before the throne, right? So what lies like before the throne, like everything's on, you know, everything's on. Right, a sea of glass like crystal. Now that's what, let me uh, specify, that's what the... Uh, New King James Version says, looking at the interlinear text, it says really that there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. Again, trying to describe something with references that hopefully we would understand, but might not be easily described, you know, to people who have not actually seen it. 
So it's something like a sea of glass, like crystal, and it's just, you know, something that was difficult to explain and relate. And you can see that in the shininess of the, the floor, basically, of the picture, you know. So you want to have anything on that? Yes, surely. Um, I'm sitting here thinking like this, like a sea of crystal. I'm thinking like if you've ever seen a beautiful chandelier. Yes. And it just and the brightness of it when the light hits it, it's just Yeah. Yeah, my vision of it would be of course, they're trying to represent things in an artistic form, right? My, my idea in my mind would be somewhat more like what you're thinking, too, like a bright, um, sparkly, shiny um, sea or plane, plane of, uh, of sparkling uh, crystal like that. Yeah, yeah. So, again, artist rendition, they're doing you know, the best they can to show you what they, what they have in their head. And uh, we have to realize that sometimes, you know, we're going to see things differently, think of it slightly differently. Um, let's see. So, question, no, wait, that was question 10, wasn't it? Sorry, I was going to redo that. Um, all right, so question 11. What is seen in the midst and around the throne? We'll just do that part first. And in this case, it's really towards the front, right? But nonetheless, what's seen? They're talking, they're referring to what they're trying to ask about. What they're referring to are the four living creatures. Now, some translations will just say creatures. I think it's assumed that they're alive. I don't really, but for some reason, some translations uh, specifically say living creatures. I guess maybe back, maybe back in the days where he was relating this, that there was a possibility people could have thought they were not living for some reason. I'm, I'm not sure. Yes. Maybe they would have thought they were statues. Yeah, that's possible. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't talking about that. I was just saying the way. John is delivering this message to these people thousands of years ago, right? And I don't know if they would assume these were living creatures or not, depending on their own theology, mythology, and all that. So, so all I'm saying is that some of the translations specifically say living creatures and others don't. And I think the fact that they're alive and living and would take actions and speak and things uh, is assumed by most of us nowadays. So, how are they described? Does anybody want to take a stab at any of that? They had eyes in the front and in the back. They have eyes in the front and back, right? They have eyes all over, all around. And under their wings. And under their wings, yes, that is mentioned as well, right? Around and within. What other characteristics? They had different faces. They had different faces, right. Now, they did have different faces, and 
We're going to see something about this back in Ezekiel as well, but one face is like a lion, and one face, they say, is like a calf, or at least my translation says like a calf. The word for that can also mean ox or young bull, that type of thing. And then one with a face like a man, and one with a face like an eagle. So now, I personally think there's kind of a relationship of these creatures and these descriptions or these faces to the Lord. If you can kind of just think about that for a moment, what would a lion represent as far as when we think of Jesus? What does a lion, what would a lion represent? Yes? Right, lion from the tribe of Judah. It represent his, well, you said power, and that's good, kingship or authority, right? Excuse me? Strength. Strength, yes. Yeah, strength. So, and then the one that might be a little odd is the calf or the ox. Gentle. I mean, Meek and gentle. Gentle, yeah. He's on a farm and, and you see a newborn calf or a calf. They're, they're just gentle. They're, I don't know. Right. Lovable. They're meek and gentle and lovable. Okay. That's, that's, I, I think that's heading in the right direction. Did you have something, Matt? I was going to say, I mean, there's different translations calf or ox. I mean, just an ox, like some sort of cattle. We often associate them with burden and the, like, the, the, like we use them because we can't pull the thing or whatever, right? They're strong. They're right. Like, right. Well, there is that, and I didn't think of that. Um, but he was, uh, he was, the Lord was, yes, did you? That's okay, what? The, the ox makes me think about what Jesus says, um, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Jesus helps us shoulder our burden. The yoke is, yeah, my, my yoke is easy. It's kind of going with what Matt was saying in a way. The, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. And, I, and I, was, I was thinking he was the, you know, he was the perfect sacrifice, right? Which they sacrificed, you know, young bulls that were, um, that were perfect, that had no flaws. I'm probably not saying the right word that I wanted to say. But um, anyway, he was the perfect sacrifice, you know, washing away our sins. And this, I was thinking this represents like his priesthood, which would also go along with a good priest would be meek and gentle and somebody you could come to and relate to. And he would try to make your burdens light and would try to help you in a spiritual way, right? So I think all that would really apply in that. So then what about the face like a man? Yes. Right, Jesus. He was a man. He was he was God in the flesh. He came that way. Yes. Right, right. The word became flesh. Right. Yeah, and you know he identifies with us and understands us and our lives, and it represents his humanity. 
And then if you think about the eagle and the way we think about an eagle, um, it seems to symbolize to me Jesus' divinity, that he is high above everything, that he is over, you know, above heaven and earth and, you know, just everything. He has authority over everything. And then what about the eyes? What do the eyes seem to represent or mean? All-knowing, right? Omniscience. He, he's all-seeing, all-knowing. Omnipresent. Uh, yeah, omnipresent. And then there's the wings, and the wings may go back with the eagle, but what do you think about the wings? He can travel, protection. I was thinking it might represent his authority, the three sets of wings, but, you know, signifying maybe his authority in heaven, earth, and over the enemy or hell, but, but I, you know, that was just a thought. So, you know, authority over hell, death, the grave, however you want to think of that, but also over heaven and earth and everything. And him being above everything else. So then, though, if we look at these creatures, if we look at Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, there is also a description of seraphim here, which might go along with this to some degree, and then we can look at Ezekiel and see a similar ver vision. Uh, if we look at Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, and I'm sorry, the only way to really talk about these things is to go back and look at some of these other um, scriptures and kind of get a feel for what different prophets have seen, you know, back in the past to try to relate this. So, um, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, in the year that King Isaiah Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So that's from Isaiah, and that's a description that might go possibly with these Creatures we see as well, having the six wings. Um, here, let's see, he doesn't say how many seraphim right here in these verses, though. But nonetheless, might have some relation to this. Now, Ezekiel sees a much more similar vision. If we look at Ezekiel, I'm sorry, do you have something, Matt? I was just going to point out that word seraphim that they're called there in Isaiah has this sense of burning in, the, in it. So if we would import that into this image, you know, think about these living creatures as burning, we might imagine them bright, white, hot, like the throne is depicted there. And, and like we talked about the, the floor, the, the sea of glass, maybe crystal sparkling. So everything's just brilliant and bright. And okay. And bright white. So the, seraph, the seraphim has, a, has an implication of like burning and, and brightness. Then. I didn't know that. Okay. So... So yeah, we have this idea of everything is is bright and glowing. 
Let's see. So if we look at Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 4 through 12, this is a little, a little long, but it's Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 4 through 12. Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it, and radiating out of its midst like the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man, each one had four faces, and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings, and I uh, see, were under their wings on their four sides, and each of the four had faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man. Each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side. Each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side. And each of the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. Their wings stretched upward, two wings of each, one touched one another, and two covered their bodies. And each one went straight forward. They went wherever the Spirit wanted to go, and they did not turn when they went. So now, the description here is not exactly the same as John's, right? It's as if the two men had similar visions... Maybe even of the same thing, but maybe not, but maybe very similar. And they're just describing them again as best they can. If you read more of Ezekiel's um, vision, he also that's where he also saw the wheel or wheels and all these different things going on. I didn't include that because it didn't seem to relate to this right here. So... Yeah, that's why I brought that's why I brought that up earlier because in verse twenty eight it does mention. If we go back, if I go, if I roll back to twenty eight where I have that, here we go. Like the appearance of a rainbow and a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness. Again, talking about the brightness all around and all the glory and brightness of it. So I I think we can acknowledge these two visions and see that they're not, the, the descriptions aren't exactly the same. And uh, I don't think that has to be an issue. Oftentimes, two of us could see the same event and we would describe it or report it differently based on uh, perspectives, maybe the angle of which you saw something, and also based on knowledge and different things. A medical person would describe something differently than, say, someone who's not a medical person, maybe. You know, yes? In verse 4 here in Ezekiel 1, it reminds me of what we see in later in the book of Job, in uh, I think it's 38 or 39, where God comes and speaks to Job in whirlwind. And here we see this. I thought that was interesting, too, that there's a similar... 
uh, whirlwind here, um, just like like is spoken about in Job, because he says, "Behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, you know, a great cloud." And this again could relate back to Mount Sinai, right? Uh, with raging fire and brightness and just a spectacle, something that would be awe-inspiring to see. Yes? It feels like God's really consistent in using elements of nature to mark his arrival that he is with them. Like when he was traveling with them through the wilderness, during the day there was the pillar of cloud, and at night the pillar of fire that was over the tabernacle. Right, using it, well, he created the elements, so he has full control of the elements, so yeah, and he's using those things, right? Yeah. Does anybody have anything else on, on that or anything we've discussed here this morning? All right. So we're out of time for this morning. We'll, we'll pick up with this uh, with uh, question 12 next week. Thank you for your time and your attention.